This is Jack Donovan, author of The Way of Men, and you are listening to Start the World. All right, I am here today with Johnny Manaz. Uh, he is the author of the book, The King's Curriculum. It's called A Self-Initiation for Self-Rulers. It's a great guidebook uh, you know, to, help, to help people uh, become self-rulers and, and improve themselves. Uh, Johnny actually came out to Valdgang um, a few months ago and uh, asked me to look at an early draft of this book. And I went through it myself and it was really useful. I actually, I, it's really well organized and it's really useful. And it, it made me question some things myself uh, about like, what, what is in my way. And it has, it has a lot of good questions. It has a lot of good, uh, you know, uh, kind of workbook things that you can go through and, and think about and, uh, you know, questions to ask yourself and uh, processes for working through your own self-development and uh, to, to making yourself better and, and uh, more, more king-like and, and also more solar. We, we're both both into that idea. So, uh, Johnny, thanks for coming on uh, Start the World. Yeah, thank you for having me. Cool. Uh, so to start with, uh, why don't you describe your book uh, a little bit and, and what made you want to write it? Well, the book, I would say, is uh, it's kind of a, a more modern manifestation of an ancient tradition. And uh, that ancient tradition is uh, that of sacred kingship. And if we look at history, almost all cultures had some form of sacred kingship. And I've, always, I've been interested in ancient cultures and classical cultures and their various forms of spirituality for, for many years. And as I was reading, I noticed this thread of connection that ran through not only these various cultures, but also a lot of my great writers, uh, my, my favorite writers, including uh, Nietzsche. And so uh, what I began to see was that there is this, um, this tradition, it's a masculine tradition and it's a solar tradition that is, uh, is kind of the basis of civilization itself. Uh, you know, we, most of our great civilizations early on, they had these powerful male rulers and they had a different religion than the common people and that was something that I, uh, I, I realized that what the common people worship what their version of spirituality was was different than the rulers and so I began to kind of question you know what do rulers believe what do kings believe what 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 are the values that that they that they that they kept and how do these values help to preserve civilization over over millennia? Um, so that's kind of the basis. That was how the book started was an investigation into that idea. And it actually arose from, I would say the seed of it came from an experience that I had when I was uh, 22 years old, where I had been interested in rituals for a while. And I met some people who they were, I think they were in a, some type of Native American initiation. And, uh, they had they did this ritual with mescaline and uh, during that ritual i had this powerful visionary experience where um, after some vomiting um, there was a, we were sitting around a fire and as i was looking into the fire i noticed i was starting to see these lives of great men in these like uh these great events playing out in the fire and i kind of got caught up in watching it and then i when I realized what was happening, I kind of looked up and looked at the other people around in the ritual to, you know, to see like, is this happening to you too? And 
my friend who was sitting next to me, I, when I looked over at him, he was dressed like a, like a king. He had like a crown on his head and he was in a throne. And I'm like, when did this happen, you know? And it became the scene where he was in this great hall and he was, you know, he, he's kind of a big guy, you know, he's kind of obese or whatever. And he's kind of a little bit of a drunkard, you know, but he was, he was my friend, you know, but, uh, but he's not like ideal kingly material. And in this scene, he was, uh, he was in this great hall and they were all celebrating him. He was really enjoying all the trappings of being a king. And then all of a sudden scene changes. There was some horrible enemy at the gate. People start freaking out. They look at him, they're like, the king will save us, the king will save us. They pick him up, his throne is now on a litter. They start to run him towards the gate. All of a sudden, the look on his face changes. The crown looks a little too big for him. It kind of slips to the side. He stands up and he goes, wait, I'm not the king, I'm not the king. And right about this moment, my friend looks over at me and he sees me, I'm probably looking at him kind of wide-eyed. He's like, what are you thinking about? And I'm like, I don't know, man, but you got a crown on your head screaming, I'm not the king, I'm not the king. And so there was this like this realization that there's king you know everyone wants to be a king but people don't really want to do kingly things it's a very uh, challenging occupation you know to be a ruler to to be the person that someone relies on so in this this experience i had the scene then changed again and uh i saw the real king like the archetypal king like the man you know and he was kind of sitting in front of this altar and on this altar were all these various um, implements, almost like game pieces. There was like maybe a lion or a, a, a warrior's helmet or something. And he was moving these things around as if they were like ritual items. And on the wall behind him was this image of a dragon. And the dragon was kind of curling back and forth and inside of its body, as if the dragon had swallowed it, were nine spheres, like nine circles. And I watched as this archetypal king was traveling through the body of this dragon and being initiated in each little sphere like each sphere was a challenge or some ordeal and I watched as he actually he became the king through the ordeals of this initiation and at certain points it kind of switched over to like a solar mythology where the king was was the sun overcoming the dragon of chaos and so this experience is, was an intense visionary experience and it really just blew me away. And this happened 18 years ago, so I was, I was 22 years old then. Um, but those nine spheres in the body of the dragon later became the nine chapters of the book. And so the next day I saw this vivid impression of this experience and I sketched it in their notebook with all that I could remember from it. And I kept that notebook for years and it eventually got put away with a lot of other writing and I didn't think about it for a while. Um, but it wasn't until I was about 30 years old that I came across the book, The King, the Warrior, the Magician, the Lover. And that kind of reignited my, my thoughts and my thinking about the archetypal king. And it just so happened at that moment in time, I really needed to kind of step up my game. I had become the father of some children and I had businesses and I realized that I really wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't totally, I wasn't kingly enough to be taken on all that I was taken on. So I began this process of investigation, asking myself, what do I need to do? And you know, the first few pages of The King, the Warrior, the Magician, the Lover is a comparison between boy psychology and mature man psychology. And I had to admit to myself that I was actually still doing some of the boy psychology stuff. And so I began a self-development project, which I called The King's Curriculum. And it started off kind of as a, a reading list. 
And that's actually how I came upon your books, is I, I just began this process of reading everything that I could that I thought that a king would need to read. You know, and then when I saw The Way of Men, I'm like, this is an, this is an, important, this is an important part of it. And um, so I had an office at the time. I'm also a hypnotherapist and a master practitioner of NLP. And so I had an office, and on the walls of my office, I took these large kind of post-it note posters, uh, poster boards, and I covered the walls, and I began to map out all these ideas with associations and connections, and eventually I realized this is a lot of information. It's a, it's a lot of reading, and there needs to be a convenient way to incorporate it, and that's what I'm like, initiation is that way. What we need is a definite start process a starting point for beginning this process of becoming a, a mature man, you know, a, a, a mature expression of, um, of kingly consciousness. And so that's kind of how I, I began it and that's how I, I organized it. And eventually it manifests as the book. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, obviously they think king and ruler and, and uh, that kind of being about power and, and so forth. But you know, we all have these aspects in our lives. Uh, you know, th this dovetails really well. It, it folds really well into some stuff that I'm writing right now. And the king is the part of the puzzle, you know, in, in every man's life. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's that's part of the puzzle. Uh, you know, there are other aspects. Maybe people go into the warrior thing. And that's that's also a an aspect that people have to balance out. And, uh, but, you know, whether or not you're ever in charge of thousands of people, uh, you still have to take that kind of leadership role in your own life. And I think that, uh, you know, whether it's with your family, uh, your household, your business, anything like that, I mean, that's um, an important piece of the puzzle for most men. Uh, they have to, you know, investigate this in themselves at, at some point. Uh, Absolutely. It, it all starts ultimately with the person ruling themselves. And then from there, uh, and this, this talks a little bit about this in the book, is it's kind of develops a gravity of, of self. And once we become organized in ourself, we begin to attract other, other you know, people or entities, things which are not so well governed. And they kind of look to that thing for support, kind of how the planets look for the sun. And so yeah, if you have somebody who's the leader of a group or who's starting a business, they're the sun. And all those other things are looking for organization and stability of their gravity. They're like, this thing knows where it's going. So then they can kind of follow that course and, 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 uh, and develop an orbit of their own. So yeah, definitely, I think it begins with oneself. And then when it doesn't happen, you get like a Nero, <laughs> someone who's yeah. not in control of themselves and, you know, and in a leadership position that leads to, to disaster. Yeah, that's always the problem with, uh, you know, inherited kingships. I mean, you, know, you, you, get, you get people who are not, uh, they just kind of fall into it rather than uh, are preparing themselves for it or actually you know raising themselves up as an example that other people want to obviously follow absolutely you know, they're, they're just like oh hey i'm the king and i'm rich do do what i say and that's that's not really what it's about i, I don't think uh, yeah and it's it's very challenging because if we if you look at the historical context of kingship the king is in a very unique position because they only have god above them or the gods it does the hierarchy ends with them so everyone else up to the king can ask someone above them what should i do 
but it's the king who is, that's what the crown is connected to their head because they're actually connected with the divine. They have no one else to ask what to do. <laughs> they are the one that it all ends with. So they have to be connected with some type of, you know, the gods or some type of divine source um, in order to make that real. And I think that's where in European civilization, uh, in history, when Christianity came in, it became challenging because some of what's required to be a king is incompatible with Christian virtue. And so all of a sudden we had these kings who had to pretend to be following Christi Christian virtue, but ultimately had to act sometimes in a kind of a Machiavellian, Machiavellian way. So um, the, what the book talks about is we actually have to develop something similar to that in ourselves. We have to develop, what I mean by that, we have to develop a connection with something which we believe is higher, whether it's our higher self or a higher calling or something, we cannot be reliant upon media. We cannot be reliant on other people to say, you know, I can't ask other people, what should I do with my life? Who should I become? You know, that ultimately has to be a question which I answer for, for myself and which each man answers for himself. And that's where the idea that's written into the book of true will comes in. It's ultimately, where's our authority coming from? We, you know, we, we can't, we cannot, scroll for authority you know we cannot google what should i do or we have to ultimately as a man become our own authority or at least have some connection with an authority within ourselves. and the idea of true will i think fits that fits that pretty well because that's ultimately what kings had to do they had to decide what was their will and where does their will connect with something higher and then they have to do that without being led astray by, you know, uh, conniving ministers or, you know, people who are like their counselors and stuff. Cause the King often has people around them who are trying to manipulate them. You know, they, sure. the King is the, the center of power. And so the people who are around them are, they're, they're trying, they're trying to further their self interest. And the King has to have a, a razor sharp uh, awareness of, of not only human nature, but, uh, of what other people are, are up to. And they have to be able to make a decision that's clean, like his, his own decision, rather than a decision which is muddled with, you know, um, with, with other people's self-interest. And I think this is probably one of the most important uh, facets right now for men to, to pick up on because there's so much within the media, there's so much influence to make a man think a certain way or feel a certain way or be a certain way that, the man who can actually make decisions for himself is all already in a very powerful position. So what would you say is the, uh, walk me through some of the process that uh, someone might, might go to, because I think this is the problem that most men have is actually deciding what they're really about. And what is that, you know, the, the true will, what is their center? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, because that, that's, that's the guide. And I think that without that, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can be pulled in a lot of different directions. And I think that uh, most men just have a problem figuring that out because, you know, I've talked about it a lot that, uh, you know, guys who could be anything have a problem deciding what, what to be. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, having a lot of potential sometimes is dangerous as well. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so what, what are some of the processes that you advise in the book as, as to finding, what your true will is. Cause you, like you said, you can't Google it, right? You yeah, can't, uh, exactly. you can't, no, no one can really tell you. I mean, people get life coaches and th stuff like that. And I think that that's helpful. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to be helpful for a lot of people because uh, you know someone can ask you questions back mm-hmm. and forth to be you know be you know you know with the interest of having you find that uh, you know if they're asking good questions and saying well why why do you think that and what do you care about what do you really care about you know yeah and there's like a self investigative process uh, that is that is useful uh, and th- when I first set out I was like I wanted to discover what my true will was. I came upon some of these problems because uh, what happens is when we first go to discover it, what generally happens is we want to regurgitating a lot of stuff that we've heard or things that we've believed for a while. Like for example, someone wants to be a firefighter and they don't realize, you know, they don't know why, but maybe they watched a movie when they were eight years old where the firefighter gets the girl and they're like, I want to be a firefighter. And then, you know, they, that kind of stinks to an unconscious level. Then they go out and they do it. And then all of a sudden they're, running into a blazing fire going, why the hell am I doing this? Like, you know, I knew I always wanted to be a firefighter, but if they investigate, it was actually built on something which was kind of uh, trivial or wasn't wasn't fully aligned with the facts. So uh, what I advise to do is to go through a a period before the the self-investigation of what I call neurology, which means, uh, and in the book it's described as a 40-day neurology challenge. So, and I actually did this before I asked myself the deeper questions. For 40 days, I try to do everything different. I like, I woke up at different hours. I try to drive a different way home from work every day. If I liked a certain type of book, I read a different type of book. I listened to a different music on the radio. Anything I could to scramble my habitual patterns. That way, when I asked myself the question, I wasn't just regurgitating all the things that I already knew that I liked. Because what we're doing is we're looking for patterns. We can look at our interests, our hobbies, our, our abilities, you know, symbols that we like, numbers we like, and we kind of we lay them out and we say, what's the thread of connection which connects all these various things? Because we're led from one interest to the next by our true will. And the thing we're interested in is rarely like a perfect example of what we really want. But if we follow our like our patterns, we can see that throughout our life, we might've been like pursuing something. We were actually, were looking for something the whole time and we looked for it here and then we got something from it, but it wasn't quite the thing. And so we went there and we looked for it and it wasn't quite the thing. And that, that is really a, a process of, of initiation of learning about ourselves is we set out to discover something, but what we set out to discover is something we don't know. So we don't, quite know what we're looking for. So even when we find it, what happens is it's different than what we thought it was going to be. You know, it's, that's how a lot of times, you know, we, 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 we want to do something. We have these, these fantasies of what it's going to be like, and then we achieve it. And then we're like, it was kind of like that, but it was kind of not, you know? And so we have to incorporate from it what's useful and also, um, and then reanalyze what really was I going after? What if I pursued this relationship or this job what really was it? What was the the core of it? And that core is is the is the true will itself. And uh, psychology, modern psychology, is actually starting to touch on some of these ideas. They call it the the natural lead function, which the natural lead function is uh, a person's natural driver in life. And so the way the psychologists talk about it is, we have this natural driver, and it's like the thing we innately want to do. And if you're ever around children, children are kind of they're functioning almost purely from their their natural lead function. They're just doing what they want to do. There's no big plan. There's no big idea. They're, 
they play with something and then we're done with it, they just drop it on the ground and they go on to the next thing. Well, when we are coming from a place of our, our natural lead function, we are, uh, we're, we're much more powerful because something they, they found out is it takes 100 times more energy to do something we don't want to do in comparison to something we do want to do which is a really good reason to discover your true will because it means it's a thing you naturally want to do. So there's like this wellspring of energy to do it, you know, but if we're doing something we don't want to do, we're having to fight our own internal resistance. We don't really want to do that thing. So uh, there's a certain type of power in true will that I think uh, it's like, it's an, it's an activation power for, for men. So uh, how do you think that overlaps with the idea of flow states? I think flow states are an expression of a person uh, in doing their true will um, because it's hard, to get, it's hard to get a flow state in something we really don't want to do. And there is a connection between flow states and genius and, and you know, genius is just kind of another word, like the, the Greeks call it the daemon. You know, it's yeah. just like this natural part of us, you know, which is where our, our word demon comes from. But it's this, this particular spark within us that wants to be something. And often it's, it's pretty mysterious in, uh, in, its, in its nature and in its essence because we can't really control it. Like, you know, when we, when, you know, you might know when you, when you write something really great, sometimes it just comes from someplace you're like, wait, where'd that come from? That's great. You know, like, it's magic. When you, when you yeah, say, yeah. Yeah. You try to do it and it's like, you got three or four words down and like, ah, oh, you know, trying to force it, but occasionally it just bursts through. And I think that, does connect with true will. And you know, the idea of true will was popularized by Aleister Crowley, you know, who is, he's considered the world's most wicked man, you know, in his own time, but right. primarily because he was endorsing kind of doing, doing what you want, doing what you will. And in Victorian times, you know, <laughs> that's skating on thin ice. Like you don't really want people doing what they want, but today it's a part of our culture. I mean, people doing what they want is kind of, it's kind of it's become the driver of consumerism. People have learned how to like, you know, attach their own their own products to it. But I would say there's a difference, and it's outlined a little bit in the book. But a difference between want and will. The will is like the deeper aspect of us, like our our life mission or our life calling. Where want is like I may want a shot of tequila, I may want chocolate cake, I may want these things, but I don't will them. My my will is something mighty and far-seeing and like and powerful and so uh i think once men can get below what they just want and more to where they will then they can awaken within them uh, kind of spiritualized nature because then what they do they can do with conviction you know it's like a will is something to live and die for it's your like it's your it's your purpose you know like if you have to bleed every drop of blood into the cup it's going to be for this and i mean that's metaphorically we don't necessarily need to really do it but it's like what would you give it all for and that's how maybe how you might uh, awaken awaken the will yeah i've given advice similar to that to a lot of guys uh you know I've, i always say like what hill do you want to die on and you better make sure you're picking the hill that you actually want to die on, you know, and not every damn hill. Because uh, uh, some people just think that they're, you know, about truth. And I'm like, is that your life mission? You know, like, just because you found this truth or that truth, or I'm like, are you going to let your life be controlled by what internet rabbit hole you went down one day? You, you know, or what do you really care about? 
you know, what is really important to you. And if, if you figure that out, you, you can kind of let all the other stuff be someone else's problem. You know, like that's, you know, someone else's goal and someone else's duty because someone else will be super interested in that. I mean, I don't, I, I like using computers, but I don't care about designing them. That's someone else's nerd project that they really like to do, you know? Yeah. And someone else's genius is focused on that while your genius is focused on your own little area. And, and it, you make a great point. Like your hill is also, it's like your, your jurisdiction. So it's like, say I'm setting off in life. I say, this is my will. This is what I, I want to bring to the world. But my neighbor's grass goes unmowed. I don't need to be like, oh, I'm going to stop doing what I'm going to do and go mow his grass. Like that's not within my jurisdiction. You know, it's like right. my jurisdiction is my kingdom, which is everything that my, my law or my will governs. But it's not, it's not omnipotent. You know, it's like I don't have to control everything. I just need to basically be the ruler of my world, my piece of it. And I need to do it. Um, I need to do that job well. And I think if men can, uh, we're able to step into that. Because one thing I think is great about some of these ideas, especially in the book, I call it spiritual kingship. Just kind of give it a title. But if a man, you know, goes through this um, this process of discovering who he truly is, and he's like, okay, this is my truth. This is this is my thing. Then this is the thing that I'm loyal to, and this is the thing that I'm doing then it allows everything else to kind of go into its place. Anything that's outside of that jurisdiction of purpose, it's, it just, it's irrelevant. It's kind of like how they say, uh, I think he talks about a little bit in The King, The Warrior, The Magician, The Lover, how everything outside the, the realm of the king is chaos. So it's like saying everything within my jurisdiction is ordered. I can't say what the neighbor's doing or what anything else is happening. I govern this area of my life. And it all starts with knowing what what you're doing like because there's a a weird etymological connection and a spiritual connection between the idea of will and law and it came from originally the, the will of the king was the law and this i mean this is actually kind of a rabbit hole in itself but when we cut off the head of the of the last king then it's like what's law who is the will and then that's when popular sovereignty came like it's the will of the people. Well, good luck figuring out what the will of the people is. Like, at least if it's one man, you can say this is what his will is. But that's when we 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 declined from kingship into politics. You know, politics politicians are those who are bickering about what just is the will of the the people. Where the king was like, he knows what it is because he is it. You know. Right. Yeah. And and another thing that you uh, mentioned there about. Uh, you know, knowing where your boundaries are and not mowing somebody else's yard. Uh, you know, that's one of the problems that I think the democratic mindset created uh, was this idea that everyone's opinion about everything matters. Yeah. And, uh, and so you have people really speaking way outside of their area expertise. Uh, yeah. Exactly. You know, I mean, and right now, I mean, you have uh, all around the world, there's people reading news about things that they don't understand and uh sharing news that they don't understand and uh making you know all of a sudden you know how to run governments and, and civil things and medicine and all this kind of stuff and i'm like hey, last time i checked you know you were a barista you know exactly. like that, that like stop and calm down you don't know about all these things exactly uh, that's i mean that's that's an innate uh problem with democracy is we have people who who maybe are not even ruling their own lives Oh, yeah. casting a vote to decide uh, national policy and the the job of rulership it, it's it's deep as 
what I, when I was uh, first constructing this, I drew a tree, and so the trunk of the tree was sovereignty, and so the roots of the tree were where it, where it came from. You know, it comes from transcendental states because there's kind of a mystical side to it. It also comes from connection with ancestral land because kingship is generally connected with some some particular place. And then the branches of the tree were all the various skills that the king would need. And when I had mapped it all out, I'm like, it is an enormous job. I don't know if I'd actually want the job because the king is put in this position, they have to know the art of war because they're going to deal with some type of conflict. So they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to know how to do that. They're gonna have to know persuasion and influence because you can't just force everyone to do what you want. You have to, you have to, to talk to them in a way that they're gonna to wanna to do it. And there's, there's also, there's the position of priest. I mean, the king is the high priest of, um, of the nation. And for a man, well, ultimately, for a man who's practicing this form of spiritual kingship, he's become his own high priest of his own religion, whose uh, who's, who's idol is his true will. So he's like, he's making the sacrifices to his true will. He's, he's developing a life ritual to his true will. And so, you know, it's a way of, for a man to spiritualize himself and to spiritualize his mission. But for, you know, historic kings, they had a huge job on their hand. And now that I, I sometimes imagine it is like this, giant empty throne that no man could ever sit in now you know like it's the task is so big i think that's why the pharaohs often uh, had these enormous monuments because it's like the man who sits who fills this role is a giant like the man who can properly manage his own conditions and rule his own life is a man amongst men and he cast a long shadow you know for the ordinary man yeah i mean anyone who's in charge of a really big thing uh, i you know, I've, I've heard people say like, whatever president you have or whatever is, is dumb. And, uh, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't feel like that's possible. I, I don't feel like, I feel like the level that you're processing on is so I I involved. You know, you could be coarse, you could be, coarse, you could be uh, wrong. <laughs> you could be a lot of things, but dumb is not one of them. No. You know, there, there's a lot to deal with. They deal with more problems in a day than I will you know deal with this year you know, yeah easily you know and of, with, of greater magnitude of life exactly and like well, the, the consequences of being wrong are vast and you know one of the things that um with the ways that i've used this program myself is like i i develop these little rituals i have a number of um kind of iconic objects i have i have a, a portrait of caesar and i have a little bronze st statue of napoleon and alexander the great and odin and stuff and as someone actually commented that that was my collection of the world's greatest assholes, you know, because they like, you know, anyone who anyone who rules is, you know, bad or whatever. But I, I kind of create these rituals to where I can enter into a state of mind as if the uh, the issues of my life were of the same importance. So like when I was younger, I had a problem where I would make choices impulsively or mm -hmm. I would get in the mood and I would make a decision then. Uh, but what I sometimes do now, if I have an important decision, I'll kind of put myself in this state where I'm as if I'm the leader of um, an army or something. And I, and I think the quality of my decision is going to depend a on, it's, it's going to uh, depend the lives of 40,000 people, that I, my army that I'm following. So if I make the wrong decision, me and 40,000 people die, you know, the, the people that I, and I, I kind of, I imagine this state so that way I think long-term about what I'm doing. I put myself in a state of mind where this isn't just some minor decision. This determines the fate of a nation, my nation, me. 
And so I, I'll think sometimes this could lead to that and that could lead to that. And I try to make a decision with a longer term strategy. And I didn't do that. I didn't used to do that before I started these type of practices. I, I would do things impulsively and some of my decisions were not, were not the best. But now that I, I, I actually use the King's curriculum as my type of anchor to anchor me in a certain state of mind to where uh, I, I use it to make better decisions by putting myself as if in that situation of, okay, I, okay pretend I'm in this position of leading the country. What is the, the proper decision to make? And I find that uh, it, it, it works. Yeah, I mean, it, in many ways, it kind of overlaps with the idea, uh, you know, of mindfulness in the sense of you're you're making sure that you're doing things intentionally mm -hmm. and, and really thinking about what you're doing rather than impulse. You know, impulsive behavior is obviously you know, ruled by the id. You know, you're basically like, oh, whatever pops into my mind is what I'm going to do, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, you're really taking time to think about what you're actually doing. Yeah. Exactly. And being able to know like what is what is appropriate because we have so many things to consider. We're considering other people's feelings, we're considering economy, we're, we're considering what's right and what's wrong sometimes when we're making a decision of where if we know our true will, it boils down to does this further my true will or does this impede it? You know, like if my true will is to attain a certain level of fitness, then is eating this food, is that is that is that is that lawful? <laughs> you know, is this does, does this bring you know is is this is this a legal action considering my true will is to get fit? Is eating this legal or is it is it, is it illegal? Like, and um, I like that a lot. Uh, <laughs> is this is this lawful food? Uh, I, that's that's really a cool way of looking at that. Yeah, and and I mean you can use that in a, in a number of different um, in a number of different ways, including with relationships and and saying. The, is this is this part of the law of my kingdom? Because if we seek to make everything lawful and our true will is ultimately the, the law that we are following, then I think we're less likely than ever to really make, to do something wrong. Even if what we do, someone doesn't like it or whatever, we're following an, a natural innate law, something that's indigenous to ourself. Because the true will is, as Lisa, as, as I see it, is, is man's or, organic drive. And what a lot of men are dealing with now is that they have a, they're modified. They're modified by commercials. They're modified by uh, social causes. They're not really coming from their, their ultimate place of like original manness. And I think that when they discover that, they discover, they discover their power. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, speaking of power, uh, can you go through some of the concepts in the book? I know you have uh, the idea of the crown and the throne. Yeah, um, so the book is set up kind of like a template to where it's, it is open to interpretation and it gives the reader the opportunity to kind of plug in their own values and their own ideas into it so that, that as, they're, as they're creating their own kingdom, uh, they can begin to order it. So the, the crown, so uh, I have this ring, right, this gold ring, it's um, inside of it has actually has the Manaz rune and um, it's a reminder to me. So I wear this on my right hand. A lot of people, they wear a, a wedding ring on the left hand. Right. So for me, this kind of symbolizes my crown. It's circular like a crown. And I often, I have a, a little, even like a little lion statue, I often kind of set it on. But the crown symbolizes our connection with true will. And it comes from an awareness 
that in the Oracle of Delphi, they say, you know, know thyself. So when you know thyself, you're like, okay, I know what I'm doing at a deeper level. I, you know, I've like done this investigation. I, I know that all bullshit aside, what I'm really up to is this. This is like an, an, a dawning awareness of like, this is what I'm being called to do. And the call is a phrase that's used repeatedly throughout the book because it's ultimately a person discovering what are they being called to do from a, from a deep level. So the crown is a realization. It, it symbolizes the connection uh, between that person and their calling. And so when people wear a wedding ring, it's because they're not supposed to stray. You know, it's, it's a reminder of an oath, of a commitment. And that, that idea really is a great analogy for true will because true will is what we're committed to. It's, it's an oath that we take to ourself to develop, to develop ourselves, And it's also, the ring is a reminder not to stray. Because there's like there's plenty of easy paths, like easier paths than true will. Because at certain points it gets really hard, it's really challenging, and there's a sense of like, why am I doing this? You know, like, should I keep on this path? Like, I've got, I got some naysayers. You know, this is really getting hard. But if we stick with it, that's that's the commitment that I think brings brings it brings it forth. So the crown is the idea of true will. So having the crown on your head is like being I know myself. I know what I'm up to. I know this guy. I know what he wants to do, and that's what I'm committed to doing, because it's it's that realization and that awareness, which gives a person the divine right to do it. You know, like once we realize what we're called to do, that's basically the, our only validation that gives us the right to be that thing. And this idea of true will, it's, it's kind of built on a presupposition that the man who's doing his true will like our true will is an echo of the true will of the universe so it's kind of it connects us with the universe itself it's like saying and that's what spiritualizes it it's like saying i looked inside myself i discovered what it is that i'm supposed to do and that's the thing i'm going to do so that's the crown and uh and it links with the ideas of sovereignty which sovereignty is a kind of a deep subject in, a, in and of itself but the throne is a seat of power. You know, the throne sitting somewhere, it's, it, it is a seat of power. It's a, and it represents, historically, a position of power. So for a man in his life, where does his power come from? It, generally, it comes from mastery of, some, of something. You know, he's like, he's a great mechanic. He's a great builder. He's a great writer. That's what his power will be built upon. And we have, you know, this stretch of life and we have time to fill. And the best way to fill it is to be developing some part of ourself which can eventually lead to mastery. Because then we're, we're kind of building, like a pyramid, we're building each layer successively as we're going up to some ultimate, um, ultimate finality. You know, finality. I think for old artists, that would be like their, um, their masterpiece. You know, they, they start off working as a, an apprentice and they build up skills and eventually at the end of their life, they develop a masterpiece. Well, that's kind of like the idea behind the throne is in our life we want to begin to successfully develop uh, talents and gifts and skills and resources that are aimed at a certain thing and so there's a natural connection between the throne and the crown you know historically so in the, in the same connection happens within us we realize what we what we are called to do and part of that is realizing our own natural genius, our own true will. So that true will 
will often be some skill or some thing, some topic that we're really good at, that we naturally develop. And if we can align our crown with our throne, if we can make the thing that we're mastering in life a natural outgrowth of our, our innate abilities or whatever, you know, if like, if, if I have a talent with writing, you know, then to be, you know, and to work in a hospital, it's not, it's not, that may not be a part of my, my natural genius. So I want to basically discover what my genius is and develop it and all the skills around it. Uh, and then the kingdom represents, well, it starts with our consciousness because if we can rule over our own consciousness, if we can be master of our mind state, that's the great first place to start. And then that organizational capacity, the gravity of that has a tendency of expanding outward into life so that once we are master of our, of our mind and of our, our own consciousness, then our house can come in order and our yard and then our business and it kind of extends, extends outward from there. But um, a lot of success in life seems like it very much depends on the ability of a person to maintain a mind state that's in harmony with it. So if I want to do something, but I'm constantly in a, a mind state that's incongruent with what my objective is, that's a problem. You know, so uh, the ruling of the kingdom is like saying, first, just uh, figure out what I'm going to do and then make sure that I'm in a mental frame which is congruent with the success of that, uh, of that objective. Absolutely. That, that's really... Yeah, I think I think this is a really going to be a really useful book. I think for a lot of people who look into it, um, you know, just to to bring it into the now a little bit before we wrap up. Uh, uh, what do you think? How, how can we make this relevant? To, obviously, the world is changing really quickly around us, or may not change at all. It might just be on pause. Uh, but uh, <laughs> to a certain extent, it may just be on pause and everybody will be yelling at each other on Twitter again uh, in, in, you know, two months. But, uh, you know, in this, in this, uh, you know, in time of stress, when people were sitting at home, maybe, I mean, because that's, that's a thing for a lot of people that they're going to be stuck at home for a long yeah. time. I mean, uh, is this, uh, you know, where can they start? Well, um, it actually is a really great time uh, to activate something like this. The book, uh, it, it lays out the, uh, the context for an initiation. And uh, actually when I wrote this book, I had spent about uh, six months or so prior to this in almost total isolation. I had to, had to deal with this, uh, this health issue. And uh, I had got this place in Southern Oregon, which was extremely rural. It was high up on a mountain, had an amazing view of the mountains and stuff. But I lived there for better part of six months without any TV, internet, radio, nothing, just focusing on this, uh, on this project. And actually at the end of it, as soon as I had overcome this, uh, this issue, I sat down and I wrote the book and I wrote it in seven days. That was the, the original manuscript. But in order to, uh, to become aware of one's true will, it's very useful to be able to put aside other things. And that's actually what's happening right now. People are in a position where they're, they're sitting at home or they're sitting wherever they're at. They don't know what to do with themselves, but their old habits and patterns have been broken up uh, because, of the, because of the quarantine. And it just so happens that this, I use that exact same technique. And I, I even had three kids and I really did not see them for the six months that, uh, that, I, was that I was dealing with this. And I, the, 
I spent a, a lot of time focusing on what, um, what ultimately that I had to bring to the world. And I couldn't have done that if I was working a nine to five job, if I was on Twitter or on Facebook all the time, if I was constantly being uh, uh, seeded with this kind of viral information in the world, if I was constantly um, being influenced by it, I probably could not have achieved it in such a pure fashion. So I'd say that right now is a great time. Uh, your habits are already broken up. You're already, um, you're already in a different space. And being in a different space is a really, it's a really great thing for discovering true will because when life does resume, when we, when things do go back to either normal or abnormal, whatever is in, in store for us, they're going to be somewhat different. And initiation itself, especially the initiation described in this book, is an evolutionary process. It has a lot to do with updating ourself, updating our ideas of ourself, uh, so that we can be uh, more appropriate to the needs of now. And so, uh, going through this process of asking yourself, what really do you want to do, and what really do you want to become? Because the w the will, the true will, is identical with the will to become. Ultimately, we don't want to just will a goal. A goal will be a part of it, but we want to will to become something. And so when, uh, when this is all over, those jobs may not be there like they were before. You know, life may be sh shaken up quite a bit. And a lot of people may have to reinvent themselves. They might, they might have to uh, take on new work. They might have to take on, uh, you know, a new path. And uh, I think initiation is, is a great way to prepare for that. And also the book is it's full of challenges. And I mean, they're real challenges. They're, they're simple in essence, but anyone who gets into them uh, will realize that uh, there's some really challenging aspects to, to, to personal evolution and to, to personal change. And ultimately, the book talks about changing from kind of a common, ordinary man into a more kingly version of oneself. That's, that's what type of change it's enforcing, yet it can change into a lot of things. I, the reason I wrote it like this is because the idea of true will I felt was a little bit dangerous. I, I know like a lot of people just, I'll do whatever I want. Uh, I think that could be kind of dangerous in, its, in and of itself. So the book is written so that the change that happens is a change towards a more noble aspect, or towards a more, and a more solar aspect, because that's ultimately um, part of the intention of the book is to, is to help a man align with what you might call the sun within. You know, it's like the light giving force within, and, and that's ultimately where our true will comes from. It's a, it's a self-illuminating um, drive, and um, and I think that that's the, the, the time is right right now. I think the time is right for people to to move on to what's next, and um, I think that if we can take self-development, especially masculine self-development, and spiritualize it and make it authentic and personal. And powerful i think that that's a really great thing absolutely i think it you know what you're talking about that kind of noble force that uh, internal sun or so or so forth i mean i always think of that as we said of uh, pulling things into order and orbit around you mm -hmm. and uh you know i really think the fundamental purpose of men is to create order in the midst of chaos and, uh, and we're in a, in a place of chaos right now and this could be a really good way to think about what your true purpose is. I mean, yeah, like you said, you, it could be, I, you know, 
true will sounds dangerous in terms of like, well, I can do whatever I want. I don't know that anyone's true purpose is to become a Coke dealer or a pimp. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, I mean, uh, I don't think that uh, uh, that's necessarily, yeah, that's just something that happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something. It's, that like, it's like default mode or something. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is a dangerous time in the sense that uh, um, people can, if you don't know what your course is, you can be thrown off course mm-hmm. because there's a lot of different information. There's a lot of like, you know, flows coming in different direction. And if you are just debris, you're going to flow wherever that debris goes. Yes. But, uh, if you know what you're about and know what you really care about and what's important to you, uh, no matter what happens, that actually doesn't change. You know, like you exactly. can, that's your ground. And that's that's really the danger with what you might call the masses is that they it's a a mob of people who don't have an internal gravity of their own. So some other powerful force comes along with with a lot of gravity, and they all get attracted to it. And that's how like a demagogue or something gets sure. you know get, gets followers. And so as I, as I kind of envision this, when a man is taking on this uh, this this role of king he's becoming a microcosm of order absolutely and that's really what we need right now is we need you know a man here and a man here and a man here all ordering those little areas around themselves and if we have enough of that then you have you can you can beget order but if we have um you know the opposite which are people or the masses who are looking towards other more powerful forces to help them then we have we stumble upon new world you know, new world orders or you know global governments and various things, which uh, I, I would like to see more an, an individualized uh, form of power, you know, where each man was governing himself as best as possible. And like I think Thoreau said, the government is best which governs least, <laughs> or the government yeah. is best which governs not at all. I think the way to have a, a government that governs not at all is to have each man be his own government. And really, if he's a noble man, then it's going to work, you know, because ultimately the decisions he's going to make are going to be, you know, He's not going to be the coke dealer, you know. He's going to be the the, right. the noble man who's ordering, and and he's actually he's become a rock and a a, a, a stabilizing factor in an otherwise chaotic uh, society, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, where can people find uh, out more about uh, you and uh, get the book? Uh, the book is on Amazon. It's also on uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, dot com, and uh, I'm going to be creating more more content because, uh, like. I talked to you earlier about it. I think when you first read the manuscript, you're like, I think people are going to need some help with going through this process. So I thought about creating videos which could be informative or could even kind of go step by step to help people um, who, who really want to step into this role because it's, it's, it's powerful. I mean, sometimes I feel like I live in the shadow of my own creation. You know, like I've, I've created this lofty thing and I'm like, oh, like so small, you know, like, yeah. where, um, you know, I think that to have like a collegium or a group of men who are somehow helping each other through some of these challenges would be a really great thing because, you know, it's, it, it, it's a bold and, and audacious thing, you know, to, to make oneself a self-ruler, you know, because all the, all the responsibility comes, <laughs> comes with it. And I think that's what, uh, when people see power, they often see the power, but they don't see the responsibility that comes with power. Right. You know, and so when those two things are con- conjoined, it's like, it's kind of bittersweet. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yes, but you know, comes with a heavy dose of, of reality. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely understand the 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 
creation thing and uh, being bigger than you sometimes. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I said that actually to, to Tanner, who's kind of life coaching me right now. When I was writing this book, I'm like, I feel like this book is bigger than me. Like, like yeah. I, you know, and that's, a, and he's like, that's great. You know, like that, you know, that's a, that's a good thing, but it is, it does come with a lot of responsibility too. I mean, uh, you, you know, putting messages out in the world. And I think that uh, there are a lot of people who are just, you know, as you said, bouncing off of things and uh, you know, they're not grounded and they're just creating messages. And, yeah. uh, and I've definitely found that, uh, you know, I, I'm certainly not the most influential person in the world, but I've influenced a lot of guys and that, that comes with some responsibility because if you, you're like, I don't feel like that I can just say, you know, like it's crazy stuff anymore. Like, I, you know, I don't want to just say something crazy because I don't want to have a whole bunch of people do it. You know, you know like, like, you know, there's like a magical power to that because, you know, there's a magical power in the word. And so if you're put in a position where your words are literally influencing people and potentially changing the world, it's like the words that the words that are used must be that much more much more cautious and that much more that much more intention and um and i didn't i even noticed amongst myself amongst the people who know me is when i started taking this on as my path they started to expect more from me like oh, all right mr king's curriculum and i'm like oh you know, oh yeah, actually, yeah that's I, have to, I have to live up to this now you know I have to, yeah I have to actually, but that's good that keeps you on point because <laughs> you're like it really because uh, you if you yeah, you put a big expectation in front of yourself and that actually, you're now tied to that. Yeah. And so that makes you, you know, that makes you have to live up to that because you're like, well, I'm that guy. So I have to, I have to do this thing. You know, you just can't do whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have to try and, uh, I mean, that's your crown, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's Absolutely. the thing. So Anyway, uh, you know, congratulations on uh, finishing this book. I think it's uh, it looks great. It's uh, great inside. It's really well laid out and it's really uh, well organized. It's a it's a it's a smart book. And if you're uh, looking for something to do right now, it'd be a good book. But anyway, uh, Johnny, thanks thanks for coming on Start the World. Yeah, it's great. Thank you.